Welcome to the Kara's Cures Digital Show and Podcast. I'm Kara Sundland. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. Today, we're talking about how fear could be causing your setbacks. My guest today is positive psychologist Diane Lang, who teaches us about how to manage fear so you can actually thrive and prosper. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, fear, I know, is also known as false evidence appearing real. So how do we know if the fear we're feeling is useful and protective or just sabotaging us? Well, one, you know, just to start off, we all do have fear. Fear is very normal. So I don't want people to get upset that they're in, you know, a place of fear. The thing is, fear can be, it could be used as, a way to know that something's very important to you, right? Let's say you have a public speaking event and you're very nervous and you have fear. It's letting you know that this is important and that you really care about it. On the other hand, we can have fear that is really, you know, irrational or unrealistic. So you could do a little bit of a mindfulness technique and ask yourself the question, is my fear coming from a place of ego, from impulsivity, from reacting without thinking it through? Or is it coming from a place of love where you thought it out and there are some realistic fears? And again, it's normal to have some fear, but when you have too much fear that it paralyzes you and then you can't move forward, that's when it becomes a tough situation. So having a little fear could actually be good. And you say one way we can think about this, which I love how the distinguishing, I guess, just slowing ourselves down and asking some questions. But you say right. one question we should ask is, um, what would be the consequence of not trying? Right. So when we are going through something that's scary, and we've had a lot of that, right? Anything that's uncertainty, anything that's change, a transition, it could cause fear. Even if it's a planned change, you're aware of it, you know it's going to happen, it still can cause some fear. But it's really how you want to look at it. So if you look at fear and say, okay, I know I'm fearful, but what can I do to get to the other side? What are some action steps that I can take to get through the fear? I just said it to a client this morning. She kept saying, I'm so afraid. I can't do this. It's never going to happen. And I gave her five examples of what she said she couldn't do, that she was too afraid of. But when she took the action, she did it. And it actually hit her. She started to become self-aware that, you're right. If I just take a small baby step of action through the fear and I get to the other side, it builds that motivation. It builds that momentum. It gives us some positive reinforcement to know I can get through this. So if you are scared of something, think about what's one little micro step you can take to move forward through the fear. Just a small step and that can really cause us to release some of the fear and move forward. That's a good point. So sometimes we might be overwhelming ourselves because we're trying to do too much too soon. So you would yes. chunk it down and just take, uh, if you're afraid of, you gave the, you gave the uh, example of you're going to give a big speech. And maybe it's something you really want to do. Maybe you want to become a motivational speaker or write a book or whatever. But the first step is that you need to uh, tell yourself, uh, you, need to, you need to write the speech or read it out loud alone right. or just, you know, writing a few things you're going to do and saying, I, I can just do this right now. Right. Or you can also do the best, worst, realistic case scenario. So when you're going through something that's scary, like public speaking, which is definitely scary, but if you're going through it, you could think to yourself, what is the best case scenario? Okay, I do the speech. It goes great. I feel good. What's the worst case scenario? 
I don't do that well. I forget some of the things I'm going to say, but I use it as a learnable, teachable moment to improve for my next speech. I get the practice. I can use it to get some constructive criticism on how to improve it. What's the realistic case scenario? That I'm nervous in the first few minutes. I'm like, ah, a little scary. Might make a few mistakes. But after the first few minutes, you calm down and the rest of the speech goes well. So really, you can write it out or think it out or brainstorm it with somebody else. But a lot of times when we just realize the worst case scenario is not so bad, it makes it much more manageable. And one statistic that I love, and I use it myself as well as with my clients, is 90% of what you fear never, ever happens. That's a huge statistic. 90% of what you fear never, ever happens. Out of that 10% left, 5% actually happens, which is not a lot out of the scheme of things. And 5% happens, but not half as bad as you thought. Mm. So remind yourself of that. Yeah, and you also say we might feel really safe without growth and change, but without growth and change, we are not feeling happy and successful. Right, you need to step outside of your comfort zone. You need to take risks. If you stay stuck, you could feel safe, but you're not growing, you're not expanding, and you're not learning. And that's where that stuck, stale, stagnation you know, feeling can come from because you're not moving forward. So again, you want to do baby steps. We're not saying to live outside your comfort zone, but you can think about it on a daily basis. What is one thing I can do to step outside my comfort zone? Or what is one thing I can do to challenge myself today? Even if it's trying a new drink or a new food, maybe it's trying a new hobby. It doesn't have to be anything huge or scary, but every time you step outside your comfort zone, you kind of push fear aside because you're showing it that, yes, this is scary, it's uncertain, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to survive it and thrive it. So, yes, step outside your comfort zone a little bit each day really does make a difference. It goes along with those baby steps we were talking about. Yeah, just one thing each day. I remember interviewing um, our first lady here in Connecticut, Annie Lamont, who in her own right is a very successful financial woman. And she said that she told herself she that was one of the commitments she's made to herself is do one thing that scares yourself every day. And that was one of her secrets to success. Yeah. You also say the power of visualization is real. We know athletes use this. Um, There's a lot of talk about the law of attraction and manifesting, however you want to think about it. In the world Mm -hmm. of psychology, visualizing yourself living your best life, like really visualizing it in detail can really help you. So visualization is a great technique. And what's really good about it is it doesn't have to be this long process. So what I have my clients do is visualize a goal they're trying to accomplish, visualize a big dream that's going to, you know, that you're working on, whatever it is. Maybe you're visualizing that a goal that you've lost the 10 pounds, right? So every morning when you wake up, just for one to two minutes, that's the really good thing. This is not huge time to do. You know, it's not going to take up your schedule. So just for one to two minutes, and I suggest when you first wake up, before you even get out of bed, take a few deep breaths just to get you in a little bit of a mindfulness spot. And then visualize for one or two minutes what your life would look like. How would you feel? What would it look like if you accomplished that goal? So if you saw yourself 10 pounds thinner, what would you look like? What would you be wearing? How would you feel? What would be the energy levels, your sleep levels? What would your diet look like? Think about it using all your details. 
but also think about it using your senses because between the details and your senses, it makes it real. Now, what happens is your brain can't tell the difference if it's really happening at this moment or it's a visualization. So you get the same benefits either way, but when you are visualizing it and your brain thinks you're in the moment, you don't have that fear blocking it. So you'll think of different creative ideas to get to that place. You build your motivation to start working towards it. So every day, just for a minute or two, and again, I suggest it in the morning because it seems to be a great way to visualize if you have something you have to do at work today, that's scary. And again, it could be that public speaking. You can visualize yourself at the board meeting and you're standing up, what you're wearing, what you feel like, what you're saying, what the room looks like, what it smells like, how you have your water next to you just in case. And you can really visualize it and it helps improve the actual performance because you can see it already. And if you can see it, you can get to it, you believe it, it raises your self-esteem. So it is a great technique and again, not very time consuming. Yeah, I'm just going to be particular and say some people will say, oh, my gosh, I can't do one more thing in the morning. Is it okay to do it in the afternoon or the evening if you feel more relaxed then? Absolutely. You know, I always suggest in the morning because it's a great part of your morning routine because we know routines are so important. And it starts you off on the good foot forward, especially if you have something big that day you want to visualize. Yeah. If you're visualizing a goal that's, you know, three weeks from now you set it or, you know, just in the future, you don't always have to put, a, you know, a time frame on it. Absolutely. You could do the afternoon. You could do the evening. Again, just one or two minutes. And if it is a time where you're going to calm down or you're changing from work into a visualization, just maybe taking a few deep meditative breaths, which is just taking a deep breath in through your nose, holding for a second, exhaling through your mouth, just doing that for about 30 seconds to a minute to get into a good place, then close your eyes and do the visual. There's never a right or wrong time. It's what works best for you. Yeah, we've done a lot of episodes on just how important breathing is. It's free and we can automatically, you know, if we're conscious and we use that, which I know is hard for people to do, especially when they're having a moment, but that can actually switch us back to a calm state. We can sort of hack our nervous system and go from there. That might be a real beneficial way for hacking your fear in the moment, I guess. It really is. And if you're in the moment of stress, anxiety, anger, whatever you're going through at the moment, a lot of times we just forget to breathe. I know that sounds funny, but a lot of times we hold our breath or we shallow breathe. And when we're shallow breathing, we end up making ourselves more nervous and anxious. So all you want to remember is just to breathe. And again, it's very easy in through your nose, hold, exhale through your mouth. If you want an exact technique that's very simple, it's called the one, two, three technique. Or you could do it as a box breathing, which is just, you know, four sides. And again, it's the same type of breathing. Take in a deep breath through your nose for a count of three or four. Hold for a count of three or four. And then exhale for a count of three or four. And again, if you could just do that for a few minutes, if you're in a safe place and you can close your eyes even better, it'll reduce the symptoms of physical stress. It'll help calm your chest area down if you're getting the shakes or jitters. It just relaxes you a little bit. And deep breathing is great because you can use it as an act of self-soothing when you're in the moment. Or you can do it as preventative. So if you know you've had a busy day at work, you're going to go home and it's rush hour and you're going to sit in traffic and you get in your car, just take a minute or two to deep breathe, get yourself back in the moment. Mindfulness is the best way to naturally de-stress and mm. you don't need a lot of time and you can do it anywhere. Yeah, so some good skills. Uh, you know, in closing, it's, fear is something that can be a motivator, but I know what, what, one of the reasons I had you on the show is because you wrote this whole piece about teaching how setbacks 
um, can be real, right? We might get fired, we might get divorced, we might all these things, or it might be ourselves. Um, is that what's behind that self sabotage? Why do we do that to ourselves? A lot of us set ourselves up for failure because we're really afraid of what happens if we do succeed. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of clients say this to me, you know, if I get to that position, let's say in a corporate world, you know, I get that raise and promotion and I'm at that new status. Will I be able to handle it? What will be next after that? Can I stay at that at the long term? And this fear comes over you and you can be, believe it or not, fearful of success as much as fearful, fearful, sorry, of failure or have both. So when you are really worried about something, it's kind of showing you something. You want to kind of dive in deeply and go, okay, what's going on for me? Why am I procrastinating? Why am I setting myself up for failure? What's going on here? What do I need to work on? Am I thinking about past failures that I haven't gotten through? Am I having a fear because maybe there's some negativity that I was told growing up that stuck with me that you can't do this? What is it that's keeping you there? Because when you know the why, you can stop the fear or at least understand it and then move through it. And if you have so much fear, again, that it's paralyzing you, then you might want to work with a counselor to work through what's really going on for you because self-sabotage, setting yourself up for failure can also be signs of, you know, anxiety, depression, low self-worth, if it's going to that extent. Yeah. Um, is there a difference of how we would teach this to young people? I'm, I'm a parent of teens, and I think that happens a lot <laughs> where teens uh, and, and children will say, I can't, you know, they'll have a moment, I can't do this, or I don't want to do that, or this is too much, or I'm overwhelmed. Um, I guess we have a few more coping skills as adults, but what would you say for young people? Because this seems to me like a really good thing to learn at an early age. You know, for teens and tweens and college students, as well as us for adults, when you have a situation that you're fearful of or you're confused about, brainstorming, troubleshooting, problem solving with each other, whether it's parents and the kids or they do it with a school counselor or they do it with other friends or coworkers if you're an adult or even a college student or high school student with a job, just having that person to go back and forth from can really be beneficial because when you're attached to something emotionally, it's much harder to make that decision and you're you can't see it clearly because there's so much fear attached to it. So by bringing somebody else in, it could really help make that decision. Mm. So that is one way. The other is the best, worst, and realistic case scenario you can absolutely do with teens and tweens. And the other big thing is when they're stressed and anxious, they could do the breathing. But what really works is any kind of exercise, any kind of movement, whatever that is, mm. and music. And most teens and tweens and college students love music. So as long as they're listening to music, that's happy music, pumping them up, that can really shift you out of a, a bad mood into a good mood. So okay. there are a few techniques that they can use that the same as adults. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think uh, they naturally do that. I'll see my daughter say, I just need to go listen to music. And sometimes you're worried, like, oh, no, no, let's talk. And sometimes the best thing, it, 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 so music is good or letting someone, you know, have some alone time and figuring out. I guess we're all different. But knowing what those coping skills are and taking that moment to even say, I'm in fear. I've heard if you name it, you tame it, right? So taking that moment to just even recognize that, then we can do some of the things you're saying and, and proceed with the next scary thing. You know what? It goes along with this. You need to feel it to heal it, to get to the other side. So you can't work through it and get to the place you want to be until, like you said, you recognize it, you're self-aware of it, and you feel whatever emotions come up. Because, you know, 
even just thinking about anger, which is a secondary emotion, when you're angry, there's fear involved. So if you can feel it and you can name it, then you can work through it. If not, you could stay in a place of <clears throat> denial, avoidance, numbing out, and then you won't get to that place. So absolutely recognize it, feel it, talk it through, write it out in a journal. A lot of teens, teens, as well as adults, love to do journal writing. And you can do what's called a free write, which is really great because it's also a form of mindfulness where you just write out on a piece of paper, old school pen and paper, whatever you're feeling. Just get it out and write it on paper instead of holding it in and internalizing it. When you write it out, you don't want to judge it. You don't want to analyze it. No spell check, no grammar check. You're just writing it as a release. When you're done, you can keep it in a journal and use it as a tool for self-awareness or to see how far you've come. For others, when they're done writing it out, they rip it up like they're ripping up the negativity. It's up to you. And a lot of teens fear that, you know, somebody might read what they wrote. So then just rip it up. I have a client who actually puts it through a paper shredder. She said, that's the best way. I just feel like I'm releasing all of the negativity. So again, you can make it your own practice. But if you want to do that on a daily basis or just when you're in heat of the moment, either way it works and it does for mindfulness, which helps reduce distress. Yeah, yeah. Um... All good tips. And one thing else I, I read, and, and I'm curious what you think about this. Sometimes it might be helpful, if you can remember in the heat of the moment, that emotions don't last forever. They say sometimes it's really our thoughts that keep it driving, where if we were really just to sit with it and allow yourself to feel that really uncomfortable feeling of fear, it probably would pass in about 90 seconds. You do. You actually don't want to avoid it. One of the big things when you have any anxiety, stress, the more you resist it, the more you fight it, the more you avoid it, the more stress you add into it. So sitting with the fear, sitting with the stress or anxiety that's coming from the fear is really positive. And, you know, sometimes you can't sit with it for that long. It's not like you have to sit there for 10 minutes. Sit with it until you can't anymore. And the more you get used to practicing that, the longer you can go. But even if you could just sit for 30 seconds or a minute with that uncomfortability of it, you'll slowly see that it will pass and everything is temporary. Remembering that the only constant in the world is change. So what you're feeling today will not be what you're feeling tomorrow or next week and reminding yourself of that. Mm -hmm. But the more you learn to sit with it, the more comfortable you get with being uncomfortable, the easier it is and the quicker it will pass. If you avoid it and fight it and resist it, it could go on for a lot longer and cause more stress. Resistance equals stress. Yes. Okay. Resistance equals stress. And I've heard the more you resist, the more it persists. So we have to not resist. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You don't want it to persist and you don't want the added stress. Yes. So I think in a way it's empowering. I like to end on a, on a good note that if the setbacks, if we keep thinking it's someone doing it to ourselves, it's not a very empowering thought. But if we can re recognize that it's our own fear or something internal that's preventing us from our dreams. The flip side of that is that we can do some of what you just told us. We can take those micro steps and we can see positive changes happen pretty quickly in our life. They can. And you can also use any setback as a teachable, learnable moment because nothing is a waste. Even if you got fearful and you didn't perform the best on whatever it is that you were doing, you can now look at it and go, okay, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? What would have helped me in this time? Do I need more, you know, preparing on this? Do I need more support system on this? Is it fear? Do I need to do some mindfulness techniques before I go on? But you can actually learn from it. And when you learn from it, it motivates you to try again and step outside your comfort zone because now you know what you can do differently. So it's never a waste of time 
No setback is a waste of time. No mistake, no failure. And if you're human, you're going to have it. There's no way around it. And if you are not having any mistakes or failures and setbacks, you're not living. And that means that you're not growing and expanding, which we need to do. So go out there and make your mistakes. And one thing you could do is also look back at past setbacks, failures, and mistakes and see how you survived and thrived. You know, you can look back five years ago, last year, 10 years ago and go, wow, you know, I didn't do that well here, but look what happened. It led me in this direction or it caused me to take a class on this and learn how to do it more or taught me that I should delegate that because it's not one of my strengths and then I can use the time to do something better. Mm. So there's always a lesson to be taught about the situation and about yourself in every setback. Some great advice. Thank you so much, Diane Lang, a positive psychologist. Actually, you should probably let people know, positive psychologist, they might be going, what's that? It's someone who uses, uh, you, 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 you try to find, I'll let you explain it. It's a little bit more positive than a standard <laughs> psychologist, right? But you have better words than me. <laughs> So positive psychology is just one of the newer branches of psychology. And what we do is whether we study it, teach it, use it in a practice, whether it's counseling or coaching, we're using the science of what makes us happy, resilient, optimistic, and gives us a good state of well-being. So everything is still science-backed, just like every other branch, but we're just studying what makes us function better. And that's the good news here is because we know we can turn the self-sabotage, the fear, the setbacks learn from them, see them as teachable, learnable moments, and make shifts in how we feel, how we see, how we think, change our belief systems, which allows us to live a happier, healthier, more optimistic life. So if you want more information on it, if you type up positive psychology, there'll be so much stuff, but there is really some great tips that everybody can use. And as one of my clients said, these tips are just such common sense. It's just Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our lives or in a stressful time of life that we just need the reminder. Yeah. So just reminding yourself that you have some control is important. Absolutely. And uh, they can also find you at dianelang.org. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so thank you, Diane. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to Kara's Cures. We like to explore the cutting edge of wellness. If you want more content like this, you can go back and watch other Kara's Cures or listen to other episodes on the podcast. If this inspired you, please support the work, share it with your friends. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I do like to share the Kara's Cures there. Have a great day and be well.